Adventures in Living. Oh, man. <laughs> Adventures in and living. That's what today's like, Diane. It is. It is Adventures in Living. Adventures in Homeownership. That's right, everybody. Currently 16 degrees outside, ladies and gentlemen. We've had a little little fun fun here in the uh, treehouse complex. Are you going to announce what day and time it is? Am I going to announce what day and time it is? Yes. You mean like go, it's 9.20 a.m. Saturday, uh, January the 13th, 2024. I'm Bill. I'm Diane. It's the Bill and Diane <laughs> Thank you for the uh, reminder. Oh, and, well. Well, you know. In, I mean, all the, in all the tumult, I thought... It might get forgotten. Yeah, well, I get kind of mixed up these days, Diane. You know, my head starts to scramble around. Shimmy and shake, duck and cover, bob and weave. You know how it is. All those old vaudeville troops. And yet, we live on. We've had uh, our neighbor came over because her washing machine overflowed this morning and so she brought her laundry over here. We put it in our washing machine, and our washing machine overflowed. So we got some uh, frozen drains here. That's what we got, people. We got some frozen drain pipes leading from the washing machine to the main uh, drain outlet. Yeah, I was thinking it was just going to be a, a help to a neighbor. And yeah, then yeah. all of a sudden I'm sitting here and I'm hearing water. Splash, splash, and I splash. was like, what? And I run in and there's water coming from the... So she turns off the she turns off the washing machine. It stops. So we start mopping and stuff like that. All of a sudden the washing machine comes back on by itself. It's got some kind of a fail-safe drain feature that drains the thing. Even if people have said, no, we don't want you to. <laughs> yeah. So we had no choice but to sit there and let the rest of the water slop out onto our uh, well, I don't even think. Floor. Well, you uh, unplugged it because I no, think there would have been. I didn't unplug it. I oh. never. I unplugged the dryer. Oh. <laughs> no, I never. Well, it drained all the way and then stopped. Yeah, yeah, but I think it drained all the excess water, but the clothes were sopping. Well, yeah, I mean, it drained all the water it could get from without spinning. It didn't, yeah, it didn't spin. Anyway. Hmm. Where uh, mechanical devices interact with humans, interact with nature, doing its, uh, you know, 16 degree thing, do a piece of pipe that's probably not well insulated because nothing was well insulated when they built this place. And that's why we're having all this work done to our place now is to try to bring it up to, you know, it's like a, it's like a, it's like a microcosm of the whole global warming thing, Diane. I see. You know, these people, they slap things together and walk away saying, hey, bye-bye, everybody. We're all going to retire now with our money. And and uh, so there'll be nobody to sue down the road. And, yep. And uh, blame it on somebody else. And it's like, you know, pretty soon the chickens come home to roost or the wash water <laughs> comes home to soak your floor. Luckily, our laundry room floor slopes just slightly whether intentional or not probably intentionally so all the water drained out outside our front door onto our entryway 
through our deck and uh, down through our heat pump things stuff so then we had to put ice melt outside the front door it's yeah. been an active morning it's been an, i was telling diane right before we started this i said boy i feel like i've done a full day's work already now we got to do the show. I got myself a cup of coffee here, and I'm going to take me a sip. we got to be all cheery and stuff. Actually, it's <laughs> kind of... Ah, I'm an Cheery, It's I'm... kind of a fun adventure. Our, yeah. hard, our hardwood didn't get bothered, although our big Carl Jung red book got wet on the bottom and is going to be all wrinkly. But oh well. You well, know. those sorts of things, you know, just add to the... So Age it, and so it's been a watery week here in Lake M, uh, Lake Abundance. Even though it's just manifested itself this morning, it's been building because it's been cooling and cooling. We had a little bit of snow, but then the we were all like, "Oh, the snow missed us!" Hey, great! Hey, but the cold did not miss us. It definitely did not. We're yeah. bundled up. I've got double. Um, <laughs> Double duty leg warmers on. Right. I'm wearing gloves and two uh, scarf and a. I've got cashmere poncho and a and a hat. I've got a cashmere a, sweater and a big bulky. You should slap mess. something on your head. Yeah, you know all that. That's true. Body heat escapes through your head. Anyway, but here we are. Here we are. Full of uh, full of uh, vime and vigor. Well, and it's been kind of a construction week around the house, too, because they started... Yeah, they started working on our outside of our place. They pulled the old railing off our deck, which probably wouldn't have supported a four-year-old. <laughs> but uh, not. It was totally it rotten. It was totally rotten. And they just kind of busted it off and threw it in the back of a trailer and hauled it off and put it on the burn pile over at Tim's house. Oh. So, anyway... Life, Diane. Life. I said what kind of week it's been, and so it was implied that it was over to you at that point. Oh, I see. Yeah. Well, there. I mean, that was the week. Uh, a yeah. lot of construction, and uh, I had it, a couple. It really. Of... I mean, even though they were pounding around back there, it didn't. Oh, and they built a. a they put a little roof. roof over our skylight so that the water would, if it rained again, it would drain the way it's supposed to off the back of the roof into the gutter rather than down into our wall so that's nice yeah they'll be replacing that skylight and the one in our upstairs bathroom but when it when it started i was thinking yep and now it's going to be you know months of construction months work of this kind and, of stuff yeah outside um, and inside yeah but they'll do the outside parts first make yep. sure there's no other problems before they do the yeah. inside Whoever built these places, it pox upon you. <laughs> well, we do have shelter. Well, we do. You know, it's not 16 degrees in here. Well, what I what I mean is, I yeah. mean, the kind of people who would do, you know. Take the money and run. Take the money and run and, and not put insulation in a place and stuff like that. Or vapor barrier. <laughs> I feel like that isn't a, you know, that's not a good person. No? No. Well, you know, they cut corners, they get away with what they can get away with. Yep. Nobody's checking on them. There's no inspector coming out and doing stuff, or the inspector's already been paid his share of the yada yada. You know what I mean, Diane? Yep. 
It's Pardon me, I'm gonna have another drink of coffee. People, people, people are the problem. You boy. Oh wait, that's good coffee. We're oh. people. I'm people. I'm people. I'm part of the problem, Diane. And other than that, I Whew. this week I, I feel like I'm making great leaps forward in my recuperation and went to occupational therapy and that was really great and um you did your pilates and i yeah i did my first pilates uh mat class on thursday and was able to do most of it that i have been doing since um so that was a real relief to me because you start feeling like you're totally becoming a blob you know right and then you're the integrative medicine person is telling you that Pilates is exactly what you should be doing, you know, and stuff yeah. like that for the kind of healing that you need to do. Well, what the it was the occupational therapist who was oh. saying, I asked her what I should be doing at this point because the stretches they gave me right after the surgery that they were pretty, um, pretty minimal, pretty minimal, pretty easy to do actually, right. except for the ones that were over my head. And um, my Pilates teacher had told me, well, you know, maybe for some people they would be, um, if, who have not been doing Pilates for 11 years, they might be really hard. But so I was asking my occupational therapist what I might do. And she said, well, I think the Pilates is perfect. And she said, what you want to do is your body is trying to, to pull you into a fetal position mm -hmm. so you want to do anything that's expanding and elongating your muscles and that's what pilates does so uh i and then my teacher had a lot of great my pilates teacher had a lot of great uh, uh tips for various things you know various things that i could do to help out with that so yeah. that i that were outside of my normal routine she tried laying on my foam roll you know, lay on your back on the foam roll. It just stretches well, I, all your. I lay on my back muscles. on the, on the uh, pillows that I have, and they, it does the same thing. You know, kind of stretch out that pec area. Anyway, I feel I feel really good and feel like things are moving and shaking on the body front. Um, but other than that, this week uh, I had. Katie come over yesterday. We're talking about doing a little elderhood ritual for all the people who are um, coming into what I, I think of as the underworld. Elders in the underworld, you know. Yeah. Um, I really believe that it's... I feel like rituals are not enough of a part of our lives that are really meaningful for us. You know, I think that the the rituals that we have come to know are more the you know going to a church service that was written by somebody else and and not necessarily being done for your particular um, issues of your life right so it was really michael mead who got me interested in in doing rituals because uh I went to one of his wonderful storytelling um, retreats. Well, I went to several. But the first one I went to was on Vashon Island, and um, I was listening to him, and he was talking about 
several different topics during his conversation, but one of them was that he said that all of the rituals in our lives have been basically turned into commercial enterprises. So he said in, in other times, when someone was born and there would be a baptism, there was no uh, particular focus on gifts. Now everything that you have, the baptism, the graduation, weddings, uh, anything that you could say, they were all commercialized so that it was Wedding just like, showers, baby showers. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And, you know, the, there, are, there are good things about that. I mean, that's part of the community coming together and helping a new family. But, uh, but he was talking about that, and that really registered with me. And then he was talking about how people, and this was not even with the ritual uh, information that he was giving us, but he was talking about how people don't often go into a new uh, age group without dealing with the things that that particular generation that they're coming out of, like the, when you're an adolescent, that you, when you turn into an adult, you don't necessarily digest everything that you needed to digest from being an adolescent. So, um, and so he said, so people end up almost like dragging these, these coffins behind them full of unresolved issues. Relics from bygone eras. And I just, I was just so, uh, lit up by that, that conversation. And after that time, I had called Kat and said, you know, Kat, I really want to do a croning ritual um, because I'm going into this. I had gone through menopause. She had gone through menopause. And, and I felt like it was important for us to recognize that we were no longer even at the stage of um, being middle-aged, that we were turning into elders. And... Uh, and that was the start of uh, of trying to recognize these really important uh, thresholds that we're going through into different into different ages. Yeah. I've also done other rituals before. You know, when I was with my group that we met every full moon, and we used to do different kinds of rituals, but. This was the first time that I was actually doing it for what I think of as a threshold, you know, the threshold into a different age. And it was so powerful for, for all, uh, for Julie, uh, the other uh, friend of mine who came to the croning ritual, and Kat and I, and Katie and Alexandra were the, the people who did the ritual. So I talked to Katie uh, just recently and said I wanted to do this. She was very excited to do this. And I feel like um, she and Alexandra were younger. They're t about 20 years younger than we are. And uh, they felt that it was really important for them to d perform the ritual rather than us as the elders perform it. Mm. And I think they were right about mm. that. And I think it's because you need to witness to a group right. what um, what you are 
going through so that they can know. And so Katie and I got together just to talk about the, the various um, things that this ritual is going to be about and how we were going to handle it. Neither one of us like to really construct a ritual because we just kind of want to have the a little bit of structure that holds whatever the people bring into it because I have found that's the best way. Just let the thing morph on its own because all as Katie was saying she said well you know the ritual has already begun because when you invited the people when you when we are talking about who's going to be there when we're talking about this this is all part of the ritual it's already begun and and I agree with that and it was really a very powerful um, conversation to have and one of the, the things that I told her is I said, well, because she said, it doesn't seem like you're trying to do this ritual about you. It sounds like you're wanting the whole group to be a part. And I said, I, I don't want it to be about me. I, I always feel like when it, you go through any sort of life-changing experience, that other people are also going through that life-changing experience in a different way way because yeah. they're different people yeah but uh i want to hear i said all of these experiences are an opportunity for us to become more intimate with each other more vulnerable with each other and really tell each other what happened and i said the reason why it's really important for me to invite some younger people to this is because i never you know my parents never talked to me about what it was like for them to go through the different physical issues they went through maybe a little bit at the end with my mom a little bit but there was a real stoic nature mm -hmm. of our parents mm -hmm. and it was sort of like well i don't want to share this and trouble you right and it, i feel the same thing around my kids you know i don't want to trouble them with my physical you know i figure they can see it and that's enough you know i don't need to go into it in detail however i, but think, I think and i think that's a holdover from that kind of stoic yeah. kind of stance which i think is probably not great it's certainly not educational for them it doesn't really give them anything uh, that they can carry forward well i believe personally that if you know, in, in older communities where people were really in a village and mm -hmm. watching yeah. what was happening to each other, that we had more of a chance to observe what it was going to be like when we got older. But our society is so geared towards everybody's young, everybody's always going to be young, you know, <laughs> and, um, that because I think it's really important to, to show the that you can go through a life-threatening illness and not lose your love of life and in fact to feel a, a feeling of gratitude and wonder that really overtakes you and um, I think it's the way that we understand life just like Cat's song that we played um, you tell your sons and daughters how to live through times like these you know mm -hmm because everyone's going to go through it at some point. And if you know 
a little bit about it, it's going to be different for you than it was for anybody else, you know? Yeah. But I always feel like the more we talk, the better things are. And especially, I believe that people want to hear. And maybe your children don't want to hear. Maybe it has to be somebody else's child who witnesses it and can um, understand it from a different angle than uh, the the very close one with your parents. I don't know. I don't know neither, Diane. But anyway, that's that's been a lot of what this um, this week has been about for me is is reading more in the inner work of aging, uh, the inner work of age uh, that I have spoken about on the show several times now because it's such an important book for me. Yeah, I uh, I ha- I use book darts. Book darts and. Katie was saying, I was wondering about those book darts and and uh, just a couple of them in that book so far, uh, Diane. Yeah, oh, I mean, I was just reading some of the different passages that, um, just like the one I just pulled out is in my interview with union analyst and prolific author James Hollis, then seventy-eight. He kept returning again and again to this theme: our awareness of death is part of an examined life. Mortality awareness is not morbid. Mortality, not perpetuity, makes meaning possible. It makes our choices matter. We believe that we, that we have a problem because we feel separate from nature. Death is not a problem for nature or for a divinity, but it's a problem for us, for the ego's sovereignty to really grow up we need to accept our inevitable death. Yeah. I mean, I, I just feel like I could pull any number of these book darts up and read book darts. Uh, incredible um, stuff. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if people know about book darts. They're just little... Uh, little copper things that you can slide across a page like a paperclip almost. And they've got a little arrow and you can point the arrow right at the part you like and that way you don't have to use a like a highlighter or whatever and mar the book and you can see you can see where they are yeah. really easily but they don't they don't mar the book at all so yeah. anyway yes diane that has happened the poetry break was therapeutic as always uh it feels like you know i feel like i'm getting more out of it than anybody else but hey i'm down I'm okay with getting more out of it and stuff, so that's good. My friend Alan, it's minus six degrees at his house right now, but I've been talking to him. I guess his Wi-Fi has been out for most of the last 24 hours. And, and uh, yeah. Because of the cold? I guess. I guess, yeah. But uh, I told him about our our aquatic morning here and that was nice and uh, we have a rug that is uh, in our bathrooms and in our um, laundry room laundry room that is called a water hog it's from L.L. Bean and man was I glad we had that water hog because it sops up a lot of water yep 
Are we supposed to do something to it to make it, to help it drain? I don't, it's actually, when we put the towels on it, it seemed to yeah. pull it right up. Oh, there you go. Okay. So, so life is cold, <laughs> uh, but still groovy. Yeah. Well, and, and for the music today, I wanted to represent that cold oh. with a couple of songs that we've actually played before, but I just, you know... There's songs that you return to. Well, yeah, there's songs that you return to. And, and sometimes weather reminds you of a song. Well, and this is such a beloved song for me. Um, well, an instrumental that I just think is really wonderful that is called January... Uh, after midnight polkas but the real song that I is truly beloved to me is winter hymn and I feel like this particular song is so important during these times not only for the cold but just for all the chaos in the world and what we need to do um, to keep ourselves human and alive you know and the musician is Stanley Greenthal, one yeah. of our local heroes who we love so much. And uh, this particular album was the one that I've spoken about before, Songs from the Journey. Or is it songs? It's Songs for the Journey. I think I always want to say from the journey. But, um, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Different meanings, but uh, but <laughs> incredible thought of being songs from the journey or for the journey. But um, so the person who has the most wonderful voice, who is harmonizing with um, with Stanley, is Mihal O'Donnell, and he is a, a an internationally known Irish musician. Who was in the Bothy band and uh, Relativity and uh, played with Billy Oske and Night Noise and I mean he's just a a, a powerhouse. Right. Uh, but he has a gorgeous voice and when I first was hearing him sing on the the album, I did not know who he was, but I remember being struck by how beautiful his voice was. And uh, I had done an uh, article about this particular album, Songs for the Journey. And I had asked about how Stanley had gotten involved with these people. And uh, because he recorded it at Billy Oskay's uh, Night Noise studio. And so this is what he had said. I met Michal O'Donnell and Kevin Burke, because he used to play with Kevin Burke. Mm -hmm. Around 1982, through the Portland music community, Mihal and Kevin had moved to Portland, and I was a huge fan of their music. Mihal had produced a number of fine recordings for musicians from Ireland and across the U.S. I was thrilled when he agreed to produce songs for the journey. He also played a variety of instruments and sang on the album, too. Mihal suggested we record in Billy Oskey's Night Noise home recording studio. Mihal came up with a number of lovely harmony melody lines on guitar, 
whistles and harmonium. He also had an uncanny intuitive sense for choosing the best recorded takes on the material when I was recording my string instruments and vocals. I still miss Michal very much since his passing in 2006. I'm so grateful for the other musicians who lent their talents to the recording. Kevin Burke, Billy Oske, Mark Minkler, Tom Cregan, Mike Beglin, <coughs> Ken White, and David Soller. And uh, I've heard of Tommy Cregan too. Yeah, well, and, and uh, well, Tom Cregan is a local piper. Hmm. He used to play with the Suffering Gales, and he's a really well-known person. Well, there you go. So, it's it was an incredible album, and I loved it back in um, when it was produced, <laughs> which was long ago. <laughs> And uh, it was 1987 that it was put out as a, as a cassette. And I loved it then, and I love it now, and I was so glad that I was able to, uh, to get it uh, on a... Get a digital copy Get a of digital it. copy of it uh, on a CD, because I thought it was long lost since it was on a cassette, and I didn't have, you know, cassettes just wear out. Yeah especially ones that you love as much as this one. But a little wintry music for us on this wintry morning. Stay warm, everybody. Thank you. 
comes on weary and the days go short and dark and minds and hearts grow troubled and the fear lies in the breast when there's time enough for worries and the sighs come long and hard time to listen with a feeling for the music in your heart oh the music in your heart oh the music in your heart it is there amidst your troubles it's the music in your heart oh some will eat and drink while others sit and wait for to pass away the hours while still waiting for a sign but the sign i know is given i can hear it even yet it's the sound of a heart singing it's the music in your heart oh the music in your heart oh the music in your heart while the night wind comes a calling hear the music in your heart now the land outside is sleeping with the growing season done and the fruits of harvest gathered now the winter's time has come we will gather one another as we go along our ways for to give each one the song we bear the music in our hearts oh the music in our hearts oh the music in our hearts for to bind us fast together with the music in our hearts oh the music in our hearts oh the music in our hearts casting light upon the darkness with the music in our hearts